Turn in your Bible with me this morning. We're going to conclude a series, but certainly not conclude uh, the, the interaction of what God is doing in our life. We're concluding our series called Defining Moments. Everyone say Defining Moments. And, and the subtitle is A Milestone or a Tombstone. Turn to 2 Kings 7 and Ephesians 6. 2 Kings 7 and Ephesians 6. Everyone say 2 Kings 7 and Ephesians 6. You'll be ahead of, uh, I said Ephesians 6, Ephesians 2, pardon me. 2 Kings 7 and Ephesians 2. Okay, here we go. Uh, and so what's a defining moment? It's what we've called it, a critical pressure point moment in our history that defines who we are based upon how we either react or respond. Now that's key. Everyone say that's key. Anybody ever been in a defining moment, a critical pressure point in your life where you know if I react wrongly, this could be bad, but if I respond rightly, somehow it can all work out. You know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, just, just, wait, just do this at me. I know what you're talking about, pastor. Come on. Some of y'all are so weak when it comes to interaction. If you know what I'm talking about, just do this. I know what you're talking about, Pastor. I know all about that now. I've been there. And so, uh, in fact, as a church family, we are in the midst of a defining moment. August 28th is going to be a great day of celebration. It's a defining moment. It's our 20-year anniversary as a church. We've been here 20 years. Can you believe that? It's amazing. You know, and, and we've been through bumps and, and humps and, and, and valleys and high places. And, and, uh, and God has been faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. In fact, he reminded me a few, mo- a few mornings ago on a Sunday morning early that he's in charge. Everybody say Jesus is in charge. He's in charge of the church. He's the builder of the church. But we're at a place where we must press forward. We cannot draw back. How many of you know there's some times when you look at your life and you realize I can't stay where I'm at right here? If I stay here, I'm going to do what? I'm just going to die. I've got to get up and get moving. And let me just say as a church family, we cannot just, uh, it cannot be, you know, the same old, same old. We've got to take this moment of opportunity and press forward to a new level of productivity, a new level of, of ministry impact, a new level of financial strength in every area as a church family. This is our defining moment. And I just happen to believe that we're going to be those who respond rather than react. You know, some people react, you know, when the pastor gets up and is honest, uh, people go, oh, oh, you better get up. Oh, I don't know. He's, he's telling me we're at a defining. I'm getting out of here before things go. That's a reactionary. Someone who responds rightly said, oh, uh, we, we need to pray. Everybody say, let us pray. We need, to, we need to gather. We need to grow. We need to give. And we need to go. That's what we need to do. Uh, we, and that fact, I missed the fourth one. We're, we're called to go. Everyone say, we're called to go. And that's our vision for, for our church family. My 10-year press. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. And so... So we have defining moments and how we respond or react uh, determines our future. In fact, our defining moments will either discourage and defeat us or develop and determine us. And we looked in 2 Kings 7 and quickly the story. We'll conclude the story. I hope you get a lot out of this story. Uh, the the, the uh, Syria had besieged Samaria and they were surrounded by the enemy and it was so bad. It was so bad that a little, a few droppings of dung from a dove sold for a whole lot of money because there was, that was about all they had left. I mean, uh, that was, in fact, it was so bad 
it was so bad that women were bartering together on whose son they would kill and boil and eat first. That's really bad. And so in the middle of all this defining moment, it was a defining moment. Are we going to react or respond? Uh, the, the prophet Elisha shows up and he prophesies that in 24 hours, everything will t- return to normal and a loaf of bread will sell for its normal price. And, uh, and, and just prophesied that in a 24 hour period, all of this terrible, bad stuff would be over. And one of the officers of the king there in Samaria, he said, if that were to, it, it couldn't happen if God opened heaven up. And the prophet said, yes, you'll see it, but you'll not partake of it. Now, in the meantime, there's four lepers outside the gate. The reason they're outside the gate is because they had leprosy. And they were sitting outside the gate and everyone else in, in Samaria were, it was so bad there. They just sitting there waiting to die. And these four lepers, uh, they had the sentence of death on their life and they looked at one another and they said, you know what? This is bad. Everybody said, this is really bad. But they began to think about themselves. If we go back into the city, if we work our way back into the city, what's going to happen there? Nothing else. Gonna, we're just going to, we're just going to die there. If we sit here, just sit here, we're going to, so they said, let's do something together. Let's get up and go towards uh, the, the, the enemy, towards Syrians. And hey, who knows? Perhaps they'll keep us alive and they'll feed us. But why sit here until we die? Somebody say that. Why sit here until we die? That, and so you see the reactionary, the officer, he reacted and, and with a complete lack of faith. And it ended up costing, costing him his life, by the way. But the lepers, even though they were lepers, even though they didn't have a whole lot of faith, they didn't sit there and do nothing. They said, why sit here till we die? And so they got up and went towards the Syrians. And what happened? God had confounded the Syrians. The Syrians thought they heard enemy armies coming against them. And they all fled the scene without money and resources and left it all for the city of Samaria. And these lepers, man, they were in hog heaven. Man, they were going, woohoo. They were eating and drinking, going from tent to tent. In fact, the Bible says they were, they became hoarders. How many of you know what a hoarder is? In fact, I've seen that a little bit in our culture. When you, when you give out free stuff, uh, free food sometimes, even to, to kids who may not have a whole lot at home, you know, you'll give them and they can have all they want. But, but I've actually seen this in vacation Bible school. These kids that don't have much, they'll be sticking, you know, candy and stuff in their pocket because they think, I may never get this again. And that's the way these lepers were. Man, they were loading it up. And the second round, they got together and they said, what, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we remain silent. So they go back into the city and they tell them what happened and they couldn't believe it. They sent out a, a group of people from the city and they came, they saw and it is as they said, they came back and they reported it is as they say, the Syrians have fled. All the city ran out of the gates and plundered the tents of the, of the Syrians and, and the prophetic word of the Lord that, uh, Elisha had said came to pass just as he said. And that old reaction the officer who who looked right at the prophet and really to God and said, if God opened heaven, it wouldn't happen. He got trampled underfoot by the fray and and, and by everyone going out and he died. I'm telling you, if if you're a reactionary in the middle of your defining moment, it'll cost you something. But if you respond rightly, God can use your defining moment to press you forward to a whole new level of blessing. Somebody say, amen. 
And so that's the story. And here's the lessons we've learned. We've been learning some lessons uh, at learning to respond rightly uh, through our defi- in the midst of our defining moments. The first one is learn to respond with a strong confession of faith. You know, the, the officer didn't have a strong confession of faith, but I'm telling you something about your confession. Uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I want to tell you something. When you're in the middle of a defining moment, don't start blowing the doubt trumpet. Don't start blowing the fear trumpet. Don't start uh, blowing and, 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 and talking the negative thing that will, that will ensnare you. But you began to speak the strong words of faith over your life, over your circumstances. When you look at a defining moment financially. Don't get all freaked out and fearful and realize, man, I'm going under in a hurry and just throw in the towel. You need to begin to give to God and trust God and say, you know what? I can come out of a hole in a hurry. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. God's going to take care of me through this defining moment in my life. I'm telling you. We need to learn that. Number two, we need to learn from this story. We need to learn not only to respond with a strong confession of faith, but we talked about responding with a strong connection of unity. These uh, four lepers came together. They, had a, they were unified by the circumstances of their life. And they came together. They didn't fight against one another. They didn't blame one another. They, they came together and, and they could have been from all different walks of life, but they came together and together because they came together and began to respond rather than react. God caused their defining moment to be a breakthrough rather than a breakdown. How many of you want a breakthrough rather than a breakdown? Amen. In fact, I've been meditating on that word. I'm going to punch the, punch the pause button here in a moment. I've been meditating on that word breakthrough. And I believe God's going to, going to bring breakthrough, not only in our church, but in our lives. There's a breakthrough. And I, I, I tweeted this. I don't tweet much. I tweeted something like this the other day. You know, if you want a breakthrough, and many times before you can get a breakthrough, there has to be something to break on the inside of our life. You know what Jesus did before he multiplied the bread? He did what? He, he broke it. That's just for the future. But these disciples, uh, pardon me, these, these lepers came together in unity and they responded rightly. And then last week we talked about this. We've got to learn to restru- respond with a strong consensus of action. You can't sit idle and make it through your day. Listen, God wants to partner with you. He wants to do a miracle in your midst. But how many of you know if the, if the lepers hadn't got up and done something, uh, they would have all died right there where they were when the blessing was right outside the gate you see if you sit where you are and expect somebody to come bail you out oh I'm about to get political here in a second you know God can bail us out but let me tell you something he wants to partner with us and these lepers got up and they said you know what if we sit here we'll die we're not going to sit here until if we die we're going to die trying if we die we're going to die trying to do something to get out of this mess we're in and and they they got up and did something listen if you're sitting there whining moaning complaining and woe is me and and not getting up and doing something hey if you need a job don't sit at home today or tomorrow the next day if you need a breakthrough don't sit at home just saying lord i need a breakthrough you can say lord i need a breakthrough but get up and do something for goodness sakes. Now that's just pretty good preaching. Also just common sense, right, Eugene? Amen. 
God gives us common sense. Now, that's where we've been. Whew. Uh, that's, a, that's my little intro. And so today, it's a very simple thought. Here's the simple thought. We've got to learn to respond with a strong corporate concern. Everyone say corporate concern. You know, everybody has their little things that they get passionate about. But listen, the church needs to be passionate about some things that are hugely important in the world today. And these four lepers, they responded first with a selfish, self-serving mindset. And that's the way we all are. When they got up and began to do something, they walked into the Syrian army and they saw that they were all gone and all these blessings were here. It's like a newborn believer. Follow, I'm just going to give you a little illustration today. This is not deep and wide. Everybody say, bless him, Jesus. This is not deep and wide. If you came for deep and wide today, uh, that, I'm sorry, it's not real deep and not real wide, but I think it'll be on point uh, for us today. Uh, they began to just embrace the blessing. And I see a lot of believers like that and they embrace the blessing. And so much so, listen carefully, follow with me. There's entire movements in, in, in the body of Christ that is all about me. It's about me being blessed. It's about getting all you can and canning the rest. But could I tell you today, God didn't, God didn't deliver us to just get us fat and happy until He comes back. Hello. And as they were in the middle of this hoarding moment, and I find Christians like this, they run from meeting to meeting. They run from place to place. They're gorging themselves with the, with the, the, the sweetness of the moment. They, it's like, how many of you let your kids eat dessert all the time? Just dessert? No, you wouldn't dare lift your hand, would you? All the, you don't feed them just sweets all the time? Some of you do. You don't want to admit it. But how many of you know that's not good for them? Some Christians, all they want to do is just eat and partake, and it's all about me, and it's getting all I can and canning the rest. How many of you know, uh, here's, what the, here's what these lepers said. What we are doing is not right. They came to themselves. They said, this is a day of good news, and we remain silent. And they began to respond with a strong corporate concern. Their eyes were opened. Now, follow with me here just a moment. Their eyes were opened to the bigger picture. Somebody say the bigger picture. You see, understand this. Most defining moments have a much greater cause and effect than just me, myself, and I. Think about, let's just play a little, let's just play, you know, there's some things in scripture that just aren't there, but you can hypothesize, y'all just, just kind of hypothesize for a moment. Let's talk about the reactionary. The reactionary in this story was the officer. He had a, he had a position of great, uh, of great stature. He was in a sense, the, the king or the, the leader of that city's right hand man. He was, he was somebody. Well, he never tasted the benefit of the prophetic declaration because he doubted it and he died. Here's the hypothesis. I wonder how that affected his family. Just think about it. I wonder how that impacted his family's future 
And see, he didn't realize something when he spoke that out. That because of his reactionary, the ripple effect of his reactionary mindset rippled through his family, rippled through that city, rippled through that culture. And listen, understand how you and I either react or respond affects a whole lot more people than you and me. In fact, understand something about most defining moments. They're really not about you at all. They're about the bigger picture. How God wants to miraculously show up and touch more people than He's ever touched before. Bless more people than He's ever blessed before. Do something more dynamic than He's ever done before. If we respond rightly with a strong corporate concern and get off this thing and that thinks it's somehow all about me. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. I got onto this years ago when Purpose Driven Life came out, uh, and and the first three, the first four words of the book. If you remember, anybody ever read? If you have not read the Purpose Driven Life, you need to read the Purpose Driven Life. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, you need to read the Purpose Driven Life. The first four words of the book are: "It's not about you. Your purpose in life is not about you." And these four lepers realize we have stumbled into something. We have stumbled into something. I mean, you know, they didn't really stumble into it. God had something going on because they weren't going to sit here till they die. And they came to themselves. They had a revelation about their circumstances. And, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So catch this. You need to understand our response or reaction to the pressure points of our lives have a huge ripple effect upon those around us. Even those we know and those we don't. Did you know there are people you will never meet? Listen carefully to me. There are people you will never meet that if you react or respond, based on how you react or respond to a pressure point, your reaction or your response will impact their life. Because it impacts somebody else's, and somebody else's impacts somebody else's, and somebody else's impacts somebody else's to the third and fourth generation based upon our actions. Are you with me? And so understand something about the blessings of God. And these four lepers stepped into the blessings of God. They thought it was all about them. They thought it was their iron. In fact, there's an old hymn. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. I don't remember the rest of the story or the song and it makes no difference. But, uh, but how many of you know, here, here's the truth. Our blessings are really not ours. Maybe we should think about that for a moment. Our blessings are really not ours. Our, the reason you, listen, whisper to your neighbors, listen up right here, listen up. The reason God blesses us is not so we can sit around and, and, and flaunt our blessings. The reason God blesses us is so we can be a blessing. And let me just throw this out. This is not in your notes. It's just off the top of my head. And you always better look out when I start talking off the top of my head. But let me just say this. There may be a reason some of us aren't blessed. 
In fact, these, these lepers, they understood judgment very clearly because in, Jesus, in the Bible days, if you got leprosy, it was assigned by most people, whether it was really true or not, that you were under the judgment of God. In fact, some people got under the judgment of God and got leprosy. So when, when people saw leprous, they thought God's judging them. And so these lepers probably lived with that end of what have we done wrong? Maybe they knew what they had done wrong, whether they were actually under the judgment of God or whether this is just their lot in life. However, it happened. They understood something about their moment. When they came to themselves, they realized, well, this is what we're doing is not good. This is not good. Uh, 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 if we react here wrongly, when God starts blessing us, it's going to, we'll come under judgment. And I believe that's true of the church. I believe when the church gets out of bounds with the blessings of God and thinks it's all about me, get all I can and can the rest, God looks down and says, hey, what you're doing is not right. Y'all ready for me to move on now? Okay, I will. I'll move on. That was, see, I was just talking off the top of my head. It starts getting real quiet. Everybody's going, "Uh uh-oh, bless him, Jesus. He's talking off the top of his head. Here we go. So let me, let me just wax illustrative for a moment. Let me go back to this story. That means let me illustrate just a little bit from 2 Kings 7. Let me just draw some parallels. Number one, Samaria in this illustration is a good picture of our present day world. What was happening in Samaria? They were, they were in bondage to their enemies. They were surrounded by their enemies. There was no hope. And there was no help. How many of you know the world we live in is in bondage to the enemy and bondage to sin? In fact, the Bible says we are slaves of sin before we get born again. And Samaria is a picture of the world that is without hope and without help. In fact, if you go to Ephesians 2, I told you to turn there. I didn't get there, so I'm going to jump over there. If you go to Ephesians 2, it, it defines in a very clear way the, the condition of the world without Christ. Let, let me get there and I'm going to read it quickly for you. Galatians, Ephesians 2. Here's what he said. He said this about the condition of the world. He says, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's the condition of the world that is without Christ. Verse 12 says that we were at that time, we were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, had Having no hope and without God in this world. Samaria is a picture of the world without Christ. We're in bondage to sin, the world is. Without hope and without help. But how many of you know that's why Jesus came? And we need to see this world, this picture, this story that actually, this is not just a fairy tale. This actually happened. This is a picture of the world that is lost and without Christ. The world that is going to hell in a hurry. They're without help. They're without hope. And, and they're starving spiritually. They're becoming uh, 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 demonically minded to the point of, of, of consuming one another. That's the world we live in. That's the bigger picture. 
And when these four lepers had this insight about the bigger picture, what we're doing is not right. Consuming all this on ourselves and sitting here thinking the church is a cruise ship for the saints rather than a fishing vessel for, 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 for lost people. That's not right. Samaria is a picture of this present day world we live in that is lost and without hope and without help. And then along comes Elisha. The prophetic voice in the middle of this defining moment. The prophetic voice in the middle of this bondage. The prophetic voice in the middle of this culture that is without hope and without help. Elisha comes along and he prophesies by this time tomorrow everything's going to return to to normal. A loaf of bread will sell for its normal price. Everything's going to happen in 24 hours. The prophetic voice came. And Elisha is a picture of the message of salvation. In fact, did you know the word Elisha means my God is salvation? Elisha shows up and speaks a saving prophetic word. Think about these mothers, whether they believed it or not, they're, they're bartering with one another. Think about how traumatizing their moment was in this and how desperate they were. And then all of a sudden a prophetic voice comes that tells them, no, you don't have to consume any child. You don't have to consume anything else. You don't have to buy. Hey, tomorrow everything's going to be okay. Let me just tell you something. When salvation comes, it happens in a hurry. How many of you know you don't have to work your way into being saved? It is miraculous. It is supernatural. And listen, the bigger picture is in the middle of our defining moment, whatever the reality, wherever you are, wherever we are, God has a bigger picture. He has, he has a message of hope. He has a message of healing. He has a message of salvation that comes into the midst. And he's got other people in mind other than just you and me. And Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Somebody say, hear the word of the Lord. What does it say about salvation in Romans 10? It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, or believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be what? Saved. But then you go down a few verses and it says, how are they going to believe in Him in whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? In other words, there's got to be somebody step up to the plate and begin to declare the word of the Lord. And, and, and that's what Elisha came. He said, hear the word of the Lord. Could I tell you in the middle of your defining moment, in the middle of the, uh, the trauma of your day, we've got to hear the word of the Lord. We've got to know that God is a God of saving grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of help. He wants to come and help us. In fact, the Holy Spirit, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit to the church? He said, I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm not going to leave you without hope. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your helper. He's going to be the paraclete, the Greek says, the one brought alongside to help you. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where you are today, how hopeless it looks in your life, if you will reach out and believe the word of the Lord and respond rightly and realize, hey, God's got other people on his mind. These lepers, they got up and they went forth and God brought about a great... How many of you know God uses the strangest things to bring His message and blessing to the people? 
Whew. How many of you know God's a God of miracles? Samaria is a picture of the world without Christ. Elisha is a picture of the message of salvation. That is, if we'll hear the Word of the Lord and believe the Word of the Lord and accept the Word of the Lord, God will bring blessing to us and through us. Now these lepers, what, what could they picture today? I think these lepers, uh, they, they could picture each one of us. We're not in the city and bound up by the We've been, in a sense liberated from the bondage of the world, but at a place where we still need God to do something uh, d- dynamic in our life. And these lepers, because they were lepers, they had the sentence of death in themselves, but they didn't, they didn't let the sentence of death rule and reign in their life. They got up and did something about it. And because of that, God showed up in their midst and God showed up in the city because they were willing to allow God to do something within their life and through them. Listen, they can't, that, listen, look at the parallel. What we are doing Doing is not right. This is a day of what? Good news. Somebody say good news. How many of you know in the New Testament, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a day of mercy and grace. This is a day when we need to be declaring the word of the Lord. And they said, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we remain silent. I think that defines a lot of the church today. We are sitting around, we're semi-liberated. We still got problems. We're still infected by things that are not good for us. And God tries to bless us so we can be a blessing. And we just think it's all about us. And we need to come to ourselves and have a revelation about where we are in life and realize it's not about us. It's about those who are lost and on their way to a devil's hell. Those that are bound up and without hope and without help in this world. It's a day of good news and I cannot be silent about it any longer. That's where we've got to come to in the world we live in. It's not about us. And these four lepers it says they got up and they went. They went back to the city. And it says they called out. Because they're not letting anybody in. They called out. That means they opened their mouth. They just didn't flaunt the blessing. They called out. They opened their mouths. You see, some of us think that just smiling and nodding and being nice to the world is good enough. You know what? Today, hopefully we're going to smile and nod and hug and love on people and they're going to experience the love of Jesus. But ultimately, what everybody needs is someone to look, look them in the eye and say, listen, I've got some good news for you. Jesus came to heal you, help you, and give you hope. See, you're on your way to a devil's hell. You've got death in you. But yes, the wages of sin is death. But guess what? The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we live in a culture in the church where they think, we think it's all about us. But we need to come to the, we need this, this phrase right here to just ring in our hearts and our spirit. What I'm doing is not right. This is a day of good news. We can't be silent. They called and they, they sh- shared with them the, the miracle of provision. That Elisha's prophecy, Elisha, my God is salvation, proclaimed miraculous deliverance and help and 
healing and they said it has happened. And God blessed the whole city. God delivered the whole city. Listen. What was the, what was the point? We've got to learn in the middle of our defining moments, in the middle of the pressure points, that if I react wrongly, the ripple effect will go far and wide. But if I respond rightly, the ripple effect goes far and wide. And it goes way beyond me, myself, and I. God, listen. When you're in the middle of a pressure point, you need to get the bigger picture and realize, you know what? God's up to something. Somebody say God's up to something here. He's got other people on his mind. Listen, he's not just thinking about you. He's thinking about the, he's got the whole world in his hands. 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 As we close today. Today is a day of good news. Even though there's trauma going on across the border a couple of hours away. We've got good news. That is Jesus is in charge. He can save us. He can heal us. He can help us. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Let's just wait on Him for a moment. In fact, in Psalms, there's a word called Selah. It means to stop and think about that for a minute. Let's Selah. This simple thought that God cares about the whole world. He wants to use us in the middle of this pressure point to be a blessing. Father, we just pause today. We think about Your goodness. We think about Your capacity to save and heal and bring help to a world that has been bondage to sin and death. Lord, we realize we have the message of good news. And Lord, if we remain silent, it's not right. We can't remain silent. And so today, we pray you would open our mouths wide. That we would come to ourselves. Lord, forgive us for being a hoarder. For thinking it's all about us. That we need to get more and can it. Keep it for ourselves. Help us, Lord, to awaken to the reality. That we're called to give. We're not just called to give of our resources and give of our a little bit of time in the church, but Lord, we're to give our effort and energy to a world that is so lost and without You. We're called to go out into all the world and make a difference. 
So right now we pray you'd lay on our heart. God's laying on some people's heart right now. People, listen, this is another thing I heard in prayer this morning. This may be for a few. This may be for all of us. I'm just going to say it. There's some people in our life that God has a divine appointment for us to keep with them, to share with them. And it's not right if we remain silent. There's some people that God has a divine appointment with us to, to minister to and to bring life to. And if we remain silent, it's not right. And in a sense, even as the lepers realized judgment would come upon us, if we do not respond rightly, these divine moments of corporate concern, the negative effects will go far and wide. So with that in mind, let's just begin to pray that God would lay on our hearts and help us keep our appointments with people who need Christ. Somebody's got an appointment with somebody today who needs Jesus. So Lord, today we pray you would lay on our hearts and you would, Lord, bring to our thoughts and mind those that are without you, those that are, Lord, bound by sin, those, Lord God, that are bound, Lord God, and have no help and no hope in their life. And Lord, we've got the good news in our hearts and life. I pray, God, the good news would begin to be revealed to them through us that we would go and we would share and we would declare, Lord, the good news, the, the salvation message of God with the people who are lost and without Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, that's all good and fine, but I'm just not sure if I even know Him. And I want to know that I know Him today and I'm not sure i really ever given my life to Him. If that's you today and you just realize that you're just not certain where you stand with God, I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I will lead you right to the... To, to Jesus. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, pray for me. I just want to know for sure that Jesus lives in my heart. I want to, I want to embrace this good news. I'm a person who feels helpless and hopeless and I need help and hope in my life and deliverance in my life. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you right here. Anyone just lift it up. Just say, that's me, Pastor. I'm going to give you one more moment. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand and say, that's me. Anyone else? You can put your hand down. I want us now all to pray. We have some who lifted their hands and this is a moment of opportunity where, where the God of salvation can be made real. And if you lifted your hand, I want you to, with, with sincerity of heart, pray this prayer after me. And all of us pray out loud together. We're going to join you. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for the good news that You died for my sins that you rose again from the dead so I could have new life. I believe you did that for me. You paid the price so I could be your child. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. I invite you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. To be my Savior, my helper, and my hope. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.